Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring comedians Bob and Ray, Hanley Stafford with Fanny Bryce's Baby Snooks, Rudy Valley, plus Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Boston Radio's contribution to informality on the air was Bob and Ray. Bob Elliott and Ray Goulding began doing their own thing on WHDH around 1948. Here's how Bob and Ray explain it. Our own thing just uh, grew, actually. And the characters more or less uh, grew out of a need to have more than just the two of us talking to each other, and they, they were based on people that we observed at that hour of the morning, the, the janitor in one case, I think was the original Wally Baloo. And uh, the falsetto voice that I did was a combination of, or a composite of many old women that I'd known in my life. But uh, they put us on in before the ball game. At that time, the Braves were in Boston. Remember those old days? <laughs> they put us on for a half hour before the ball game with live musicians and so forth. And that's how Bob and Ray, the name Bob and Ray came about. They rhymed it with matinee. And if it was Matt and Bob, it would be Ray and Bob. But, and, you know, the more, the more you think about it, the management was fairly courageous because uh, being a spontaneous ad-lib program and on the air, it wasn't pre-recorded, it was, it was risky for them to do it, the more I think about and, it. And uh, when we came to New York in 51, uh, NBC allowed us to go on the same way. They, when we did it have was unheard of for an network yeah. to go, have anybody go on without a script. Bob and Ray also did terrific comedy sound effects. Just what we could do with our hands on the table, like this would be a wooden bridge or something, and that would be it. The desk drawer for a lot of things. It'd be a door, door opening. Slam the drawer and uh, come in or close the door. <laughs> so uh, you had to use your imagination to get with the Bob and Ray show. One of the programs they satirized on their show was Jack Armstrong, the All-American Boy. Jack Headstrong. Jack Headstrong. Jack Headstrong. Jack Headstrong. Jack Headstrong. Frank Gallup. Jack Headstrong, All-American American. Yes, it's time now, boys and girls, to join Jack Headstrong, Uncle Jim, Billy, and Betty at Jack's secret laboratory as he works on his newest invention, a jet-propelled cotton picker machine. Uncle Jim, this is the most versatile and the most complex. Quiet, Billy. Jack's talking. Quiet, Uncle Jim. Well, I didn't say Quiet, anything. Quiet, Billy. There's no time for that what now. What are you saying, Quiet, Jack? Uncle Jim. I was just saying that this is the most versatile and most complex cotton-picking machine that has ever been invented. Well, uh, do you think it's completed now, Jack, but ready for a test run? My only pro... Quiet, Uncle Jim. There's no time Quiet, for that Uncle now. Jim. Quiet, Uncle Billy. What were uh, you saying, Jack? The only problem I have now is that it weighs four tons. Wow, that's going to be pretty... Billy, heavy. there's no time for that Quiet, now. Billy. In other words, it cannot be classified as a portable machine. No, I wouldn't think so, Quiet, Jack. Uncle Jim. There's no time for that now. Well, how are you going to get her from place to place, Jack? If I speak to you again, Billy, you'll leave this garage never to return. Yeah, but it doesn't even have Quiet, wheels. Quiet, Billy, there's no time Quiet, for that now. Quiet, Billy, Jack's figuring Quiet, the thing Uncle out. Quiet, Uncle Jim, I'm trying to figure the thing out Go now. ahead, Jack. Thank you, Jim. 
I... Uncle Jim, Jack. Quiet, Billy. There's no time for corrections here. My problem now is to move this into our own yard and see if it operates. But we don't have any cotton to pick out in the yard, Jack. Quiet, Billy. There's no time for that now. We'll simulate cotton, Billy. Jack's thought of that already, I'm sure. That's right. I thought we could go down by the fence and pick the... Factory blew up, Jack. Quiet, Billy. Time for that now, Billy. Well, well, George, he's right, though, Jack. Look at the mass of rubble around us. And your cotton picker is completely demolished. Yeah. Well, it is bad news indeed. The factory has blown up, and the cotton picking machine is a complete wreck. What will Jack do next? Will he be able to put together the broken pieces of his invention? Be sure and join us next time when we'll hear Jack say... You mean I'm to be able to go on my own personal recognizance, sir? That's in the next episode of Jack Headstrong, All-American American. Another show they had fun with was One Man's Family, the long-running radio serial. Pay particular attention to this excerpt. On the day this show was on the air, almost everything struck them funny, and they break up all the way through the script. They break up all the way through the sketch. Even the sound man adds his two cents. And now, Pavici, the greatest name in fudge, brings you another episode of One Feller's Family. Today's episode, entitled Experimental Program, is taken from Book 5. Chapter XIV, page 1412. Today, One Fellow's Family is being presented in front of approximately 75 people who have written in to witness this broadcast of One Fellow's Family. Mr. Messy is using this opportunity to test our program to see if it's suitable for a live audience. <laughs> We look in on the family now. It's 11 minutes past 9 in the morning, and we hear... Well, Fanny, is Paul and Clifford arriving today? Uh, who? Arriving? Oh, our sons, Paul and Clifford. Oh, those two fellas. Uh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, those two fellas that we know as our sons, will be here on the three o'clock train up from... <laughs> That's a funny train, Fanny. <laughs> up from the big city, and they'll be visiting us here at the seawall. Well, I'll have plenty of time then to go out and trim the rose bushes. Oh, yes. Before they get here. Thank you. Incidentally, <laughs> yes. I saw Dr. Tucker yesterday. Oh, the poor thing. Have you seen him <laughs> since it happened? He couldn't, couldn't do anything about my dentures this year. Well, did, he... <laughs> did he say they were loose, or <laughs> did he say that... <laughs> well, uh, he said I was slipping. I don't know whether he meant them or me. Or oh, you. It could be both, I suppose. <laughs> Have you seen my rose clippers? Have you seen my what? My rose clippers. Oh, yes. They're out, I think, hanging in the garage. 
Well, I'll just... Back of the peach basket. I'll just step out there and... <laughs> Thank you. ...take them down from the wall. All right. And if Paul and Clifford arrive, be sure and let me know. I want to discuss the experimental program. You have been listening to One Fellow's Family, brought to you by Panucci, the greatest name in fudge. Today's episode... I'd like to repeat it further with audio accessory. Taken from Book V, Chapter XIV, on pages 1400. And uh, just this note from Mr. Messy has arrived. This was the first and the last One Fellow's Family program presented in front of a live audience. We wish to thank those of you who appeared here today for this experiment. One Fellow's Family is written and produced by T. Wilson Messy. This is a Messy production. In the fall of 1970, Bob and Ray opened on Broadway with their own review. It was entitled The Two and Only. After 25 years in radio, they proved that they were just as funny on the stage. We've been asked to make the following announcement by the Treasury Department. Citizens, our money is your money. We print it for you to use. (laughs) It's for your convenience. Make more use of money. It's handy, it's dependable, it's trustworthy. Money orders, checks, bank drafts, credit cards are good in their way, but money is better. It's easy to carry, it transfers quickly, and is soft to the touch. It comes in a lovely green color, which is pleasant to the eye. It has pleasing pictures on it of Alexander Hamilton, George Washington, Andrew Jackson, and the White House. The numbers are large and clearly legible. So if you want money, just write and tell us how much and in what denomination. Use money every day. It's the American way. (laughs) The story of this man's trial has been front page news in most of our newspapers across the country for the past several weeks. He is the corrupt mayor of Skunk Haven, New Jersey. (laughs) Mayor Ralph... Moody Thayer. Mayor Thayer. Thank you. Is the jury, uh, is the jury still out? Yes, but my lawyer is negotiating with the foreman of that august group now. (laughs) We feel we have nothing to fear. We believe we can attract more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. Well, now to go back over your checkered career, Uh, Briefly, you were a petty forger, a master swindler, a convicted embezzler. A convicted of perjury several times. How does one start on a life of corruptness such as you've built for yourself, Mr. Mayor? Oh, uh, I guess it all started when I was a kid. I used to uh, cheat in exams in grade school, and... uh, I used to tell malicious lies about my fellow students to the teacher. You see, I always believed that I could build myself up by tearing others down. Then after you completed your formal education, I believe you developed uh, an interest in financial matters, lending money... Loan sharking. Yes. Yes, I did that 
for several years until the criminal element in town asked me to run for public office. <laughs> I took that as a mandate. I remember that first election. It still stands as the crookedest in Skunk Haven history. Thank you. <laughs> and that was the beginning, and now down through the years, through your various administrations, you've managed to riddle each and every department with corruption. <laughs> From the top, right on through, even to the visiting nurse association. <laughs> I'd like to ask you uh, a question, and uh, don't answer right away. Give it, uh, give it a little bit of thought. Would you say it's easier to be corrupt today than it was old? 10, 15 years ago. Oh, my, yeah. <laughs> Here, 10 or 15 years ago, it was a disgrace to be corrupt. Uh -huh. No, no, it's a rich, fertile field. I would recommend it to anybody with a devious mind who was willing to put in long, long hours without working hard. <laughs> and he will find it terribly enriching, fully rewarding. Well, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I'm sure we've all been able to draw something from your words. And we'll all be anxious to see how the jury finds when it comes back in. Don't give it a thought. I'm not. <laughs> Mayor Ralph Moody there. Fanny Bryce played the part of Baby Snooks on the radio for many years. And as always, Hanley Stafford was her frustrated father. Now, back to the Higgins home in Sycamore Terrace. Mommy's luncheon is over. The ladies have settled down, and Mr. Charles Harding Blair is in the midst of his lecture on the life of the bee. Let me illustrate, ladies, by making reference to this model beehive here. Looks almost real, doesn't it? <laughs> it, uh, it has a hymn somewhere along here. Where is that thing? Careful, Mr. Blair. There's a bee crawling on your hand. Now, now, now. Let's not let our imaginations run away with us. These are just imitation bees. They... Ah! Ah! What's that? Oh, look out! There are thousands of them! Ow! Oh, help! They're real! Oh, oh, oh. Well, I guess it's safe to go in now. I don't see any cars. The women must have gone home. Why, Vera? Why are you crying? What's the matter, Mummy? 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 
What's the matter, mommy? 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 What's Clear the way, clear the way. Stand back, everybody. I'm a busy man. Where's the door? Oh, here. I'm off. Gad, he is a busy man. Don, that closet. Where's the door? Oh, here. I'm off. Come on, Alan. We'll do an audition, too, huh? Great. Here's the audition room. Quiet, Mr. 
Mr. Leaf is starting the audition. All right, all right, let's go. I'm a busy man. Start singing, you. Kiss me again. Kiss me. <laughs> Who's next? The three Fostick sisters. Get going, girls. Do you hear that whistle down the line on the extended speaker? And stand up there. <laughs> next. All right, ready? you guys are next. Are you ready, Mr. McCarthy? Alan, uh, uh, you know, I've been thinking, suppose we change the actor that you sit on my knee in front of me, huh? <laughs> no, you're the star, Mr. McCarthy. You sit in front the way we rehearsed it. Yeah. Next, who's holding up the audition? I'm a busy man. Yeah, we're ready, Mr. Tenderleaf. Uh, is your voice ready, Alan? Uh, okay. Remember, keep weaving so he can't draw a steady bead. <laughs> Let's go, Mr. McCarthy. We're Alan and McCarthy. We're the life of every party. We'll cheer you folks with quips and jokes. It sure will make you laugh. <laughs> and if you want a song with us, you can't go wrong. By the light of the silvery moon, we'll sit and spoon. Of every party, we're Alan and McCarthy. Say, Fred, my girl can't wear liquid stockings. Well, why can't your girl wear liquid stockings, Mr. McCarthy? Because she can't get her leg in the bottle. <laughs> we're Alan and McCarthy. We're the life of every party. Stop, 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 Fred. The gun must have jammed. <laughs> <laughs> Say, aren't you Fred Allen? Uh, yes, sir. I need a man like you to take over my Tenderleaf Tea program. I'll call it the Fred Allen Show. Name your own price. I'm a busy man. Is it a deal, Allen? Uh, well, what about me here, mister? Uh, yes, what about my partner? The little guy is out. He has no talent. I'm a busy man. Goodbye. <laughs> At last, back on the air. Yeah. The yeah. Fred Allen Show. Yeah. Gosh, I'd better phone Portland and Al Goodman and call up the yeah, others. Yeah, we really put it over, didn't we, partner? Partner? Yeah. You heard what Mr. Leaf said? Scram, small fry. Now, 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 look, Fred, now. Fred? Yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. Allen. I... <laughs> yeah, I've decided maybe we should sort of co-star on the show. Co-star on the Fred Allen show? You know radio, it's dog eat dog. Yeah, but Mr. Allen... Beat it before I throw a termite on you. <laughs> but kind sir, sir, I... I'm not going to leave you here. No, I'm not going to leave you here. Here's your car fare home. <laughs> A nickel. So long. Yeah. And now, uh, this is Fred Allen, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a lot for listening. To this is the National Broadcasting Company. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from radio's golden days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.